0: That server, that cook that's putting out that bowl of ramen, that manager that's table touching, that bartender that makes the drink, they are the store to that guest.
1: What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real-time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Kelly Jones with over 30 years of hands-on experience in the hospitality industry. There isn't much that he hasn't seen. He's currently the principal of Kelly Jones Hospitality a hospitality consulting and management company. And we met speaking at the same event. And I was just blown away by his ability to weave in strategy and tactics. And after seeing him, it makes sense that he's trained people from around the world at some of the biggest venues like Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall, Chicago Theater, as well as speaking at the biggest restaurant shows and working with the biggest restaurant brands. And so grateful, Kelly, that you've taken some time to join us on Give an Ovation today.
0: I appreciate you. Thanks for having me.
1: So first of all, tell us a little bit about Kelly Jones Hospitality. Like, what are you doing? I know you travel all over the place. You're speaking everywhere. Tell us a little bit about what what is Kelly Jones Hospitality?
0: Well, you know, I'm blessed. I've I've been able to do so many great things over the years. And uh, 13 years ago, I went out on my own and started a a group of businesses. Kelly Jones Hospitality is the kind of umbrella. Um, uh, My company is actually a partner in a management company called Hospitality Alliance we've got offices in New York, Las Vegas, and Dallas, Texas. And I'm also partners in a company called Trust 3 Hospitality, which owns and operates restaurants in three different cities. So we, um, you know, we're in eight cities at this point. We operate primarily restaurants. We're a management company where we oversee hotel food and beverage operations, as well as food halls, which are very big in the food hall space.
1: Well, that's exciting, man. It's, you've just got so much going on and you're seeing so much at the same time. From your purview, what what advice would you have for restaurant operators? I mean, you're seeing things at the cutting edge of what's going on. What would you say, here's something to watch out
0: for? Well, I think um, yeah, some of the biggest things, obviously, uh, with COVID kind of hopefully waning quickly, um, we're really seeing people that want interactive experiences, um and they want options so that's where the food hall is really great you know you can walk in with 10 people all go and get your own food experience and then come back together and commune we um you know we have all the food and beverage at AT AT&T's world headquarters in Dallas you know they brought us in to create a bunch of experiences so we have a food hall we have a beer garden we have a barbecue restaurant and um you know it's it's great because people come in and and they have a bunch of different experiences to choose from and I think after you know, the lockdowns and the shutdowns, people, you know, want to be with people and they want to get out again and experience different things.
1: And I, I see that so often that when you're, when you're, you know, really trying to create an experience for people, a lot of times, you know, restaurants miss the mark. And when you look at some of the common mistakes that people make, what would you say, Kelly, is uh, some of the things that when you go in and do some consulting, what are things that you're like, all right, low-hanging fruit almost every time, where do you, where do you, what, what closets do you open to find those skeletons?
0: Well, you know, I find, you know, first and foremost, we're in the hospitality industry. Hospitality by definition is warm, personal, engaging service, right? So it's really about the service. And, you know, when I was an executive chef, I never would have admitted this, but I'm positive that I can forgive an overcooked steak. I can't forgive rude or inattentive treatment and service. Hmm. So, you know, the service piece has got, you know, you've got to have a service culture. You've got to have a team that really loves people and, and wants to serve them. And then the other thing that I see constantly, and this is just blows my mind that, you know, i walk into a restaurant that's having problems. And the only reason they bring me in if I'm consulting is because they're not performing well. And it blows me away that nine out of 10 times I walk in and they've got a high food cost or high beverage cost that they've never costed any of their recipes. They don't have plate costs for anything. And, you know, my retort is always, well, if you don't know what something costs you, how do you know how to price it to sell?
1: (laughs) Yes. Right. It's, it's, but
0: why do you think they don't know the costs? Uh, They don't go through the exercise. It's arduous and sometimes painful, but you have to do that. Um, And, you know, it's really important, especially in slower restaurants, you know, that run on a thinner margin. You know, I've always said it's twice as easy to run a busy restaurant as a slow restaurant because sales hides a lot of bills, but you you, you don't have the sales, you know, and it's all about driving revenue. You know, nobody's ever cut costs their way to prosperity. It's all about, you know, generating revenue. And, you know, that
1: service, I think that's something where the service doesn't necessarily bring people in the first time. But getting people in the first time isn't really it's that's not what drives successful restaurants. It's getting those people to come back and back and back and back and tell people. And that service is really one of the key factors of getting people to come back. And, and you told an interesting story about the head chef of Ritz Carlton. Um,
0: oh, uh, Augustus Escafier.
1: Yeah. Do, do you um, want to share a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So Augustus Escoffier is literally the Mac Daddy godfather of you know modern cuisine. His, you know, He's still taught in every major culinary school in the world today, created the brigade system um, that's used in most modern restaurants, you know, wrote cookbooks. But, you know, he was, you know, also known as the very first chef at the very first Ritz-Carlton in Paris. And back at the turn of the century, in in the early 1900s, he was interviewed uh, by by a newspaper and he was asked, you know, what does it take to be a successful restaurant? And he said, look at me, smile at me, talk to me, thank me. Now, I mean, think about this. Here was the most in incredible chef of his day, and, and you know, arguably today, and he doesn't even mention food. He doesn't mention you know the music, the the lighting, the you know the ambiance, you know the product. He says, "Look at me, smile at me, talk to me, thank me," and that goes back to my hospitality, warm, personal, engaging service. And and you know, funny Zach, you know, you said you know service is all about bringing people back, and you know, I train all the time. What is the guest lifetime value? It's never about getting them in. And that's why I hate the term, you know, upsell it's, you know, suggestive. sell. you make options, but you don't, you know, have a hard sell approach. You know, you let the guest try to um, navigate their own experience. I call it gastro tourism, where you let the guests decide how they want it. You know, so many restaurants have so many rules and it blows me away. You know, I mean, I just, the other night I went into a bar and, you know, can I, can I see the menu? You know, I was traveling and I just, you know, I was hungry. I wanted to have dinner. And the bartender gives me a really limited menu. And I said, you know, is this your full menu? He said, no, that's our bar menu. I go, can I see the full menu? He goes, I'm sorry, you can't have the full menu here. Uh, that's only for our dining room. And I turn around, I go, let me get this straight. If I walk 10 feet that way and sit at a table, I can have a full menu, but right here at the bar, I can't. He said, yes, sir, I'm sorry. And I was like, that makes no sense. I want to buy and you're not letting me. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, no rules, just, you know, um, know gastro tourism letting the guests decide how they want to experience your restaurant
1: love that idea gastro tourism and I think that one of the one of the key things too is when you go to a restaurant and you either have a new menu because you've just changed because you have a seasonal menu or if someone's been in for the first time one thing is like walk them through what are some of your famous things right how do you create that great first experience and I think that being able to ask the questions to the guest of what do they like what are they feeling and, and really creating that personalized experience is something that we don't get very often nowadays, especially with the rise of fast casual, you know, it's, it's a menu and, and the really smart restaurants will star the things that are popular. Other than that, if you're in for a first time, it's like, good luck. You may have just gotten the worst thing on the menu and then you're not getting them back.
0: Well, you know, that comes down to training and, uh, you know, our training um, in, in our properties that we operate are, are, you know, very, very extensive training. You know, the first thing is you've got to know the menu. You can't sell a product if you don't know the product. You know, our team has to taste through the entire menu. You know, we, we understand that, you know, we're, we're in a very interesting business because even when we do something perfectly, there's a subjectiveness that somebody might not like it, right? So, oh, yeah, medium rare is another person's raw. And so, um, you know that that's something. You know, the answer is yes. What's the question? But training your team, you know, because you know when we hire, we hire for personality, not experience, because you know we don't want to script them to the point of you know, hi, my name is Buffy, I am going to be your server today, I'm here to take your order. You know, yeah. we want them to have their personality, and we also teach our team how to read the guest. You know, there's, there's a big difference between a family of four with a young toddler and a, you know, group of five businessmen in a suit, um, or, you know, a bunch of hipsters that are out, you know, drinking or a date, uh, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you you treat
1: each of those very differently and you can't script out. Here's your conversation with these types of people, right? You teach them principles, you teach them how to be a good server, the thing, how to observe, how to think, and then you gotta like, you gotta trust them, Right.
0: Yeah, you know, we, we, we show them how to, you know, uh, detect verbal and nonverbal clues. And, and you, know, um, you know, there are people that would love to talk to you and keep you away from, you know, doing your job. And then there's people it's like, I'm begging you to go away. I'm not here for you. I'm here for, you know, whatever, either business or social, you know, occasion I'm here for. Um, so it's really a matter of, you know, we're, you know, first of all, we're not curing cancer. Right. Um, you know, so I always tell people, you know, we're serious about what we do. We just don't take ourselves very seriously. Right. You know, people want to go out and typically if they're coming to a restaurant or a bar, they're there to enjoy themselves, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, you know, we're, we're just, you know, throwing a party seven days a week um, that, you know, we we sell food and beverage at. So, you know, it's, it's really, you know, again, we're not curing cancer. We're not taking ourselves so seriously. And we're also in a business that's, just not that complicated. You know, Um, you know, I I say restaurant business comes down to three pillars. There's, there's the product, you know, I don't care if it's a hamburger is the best hamburger you can put out. Then there's the, the ambiance, the feel, the the lighting, the decor, the music and everything that goes into the modern restaurant theater. But the most important piece is the hospitality, right? Warm person engaging service. And, and I always tell my team, it's not about if you make a mistake, it's when you make a mistake, mm-hmm. but how do you fix it? You know, and, and I always say, you know, who are you more forgiving of if somebody makes a mistake, a really good friend or a total stranger, you know, and and, and I want to think it's a really good friend, right? They're a friend, you have a relationship with them. So you made a mistake. Okay, you know, let's move on. So the goal is to make your guest your friend, yeah. and, you know, so that, you know, if you're aloof or you're not giving great service and there's a mistake made, that guest is going to be a lot less likely to forgive it than if, you know, you've really come on and, you know, um, made, built a relationship and a rapport with the, with the guest. And, and what we
1: find with our data is that if you respond to guests in a prompt and personal way, then they're very likely to actually come back. And that guest statistically has a higher probability of becoming more loyal than if there weren't a mistake in the first place. But the key is you've got to uncover that issue and you've got to resolve it in a prompt personal way. Um, and you know that's one of the reasons coming from restaurant industry myself, that's why we created Ovation, right? Was to, to have that, that digital table touch, that dialogue in a way that wasn't as confrontational. But when you have great people and great training, it really helps to augment that. So the question is, how do you find those people? And then what tips do you have for training those people on creating that great hospitality?
0: Well, um, you know, we're in a, a season where finding people is just brutal. Um, right. You know, certainly over the last, I don't know, year, um, you know, as we've started to open up our businesses again, you know, our full service restaurants, um, you know, the staffing is just really difficult uh, by and large. We're probably paying about 20% more for our line level team than we were paying pre COVID. Wow. But, you know, our big thing again is, you know, I can train on, mechanics, I can't train on personality. So it really is comes down to the personality. And then it's trained, you know, there's an old saying, the more you expect of somebody more that you have to train them. And, you know, there's another saying that, you know, what if I spend all this time, energy and money on somebody and they quit? Well, what if you don't and they stay, you know, because, you know, here's what I know, we have probably properties, you know, 16 properties in eight different states right now. And I tell my team all the time, you can work here and survive every single day without me. My business does not survive without you. So, you know, in my ramen shop in Burlington, Vermont, and I'm in Las Vegas, every single person that walks into that ramen shop today, you know, they're keeping a running scorecard, right? And it's, it's called the moments of truth where, you know, that server, that cook that's putting out that bowl of ramen, that manager that's table touching, that bartender that makes the drink, they are the store to that guest, not me. And so, you know, I always tell my teams, it's like, you know, you represent my brand. You are my brand. So if that's the case, why wouldn't I take all the time and money that it needs to take to train somebody correctly?
1: Yeah. And I I think that's so true. And it's, but a lot of times I think that the challenging part is how do I train? How do I come up with new content to train my staff all the time? What, What would you say to those people that are like, I just, I don't have like, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm saying the same things over and over again, you know, once a month, recycling like the same trainings. What What would you say to those people?
0: Well, first of all, repetition is the mother of all skills. So that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, the more you, you know, the more you get good at something, it's because you're doing it over and over again. And I guess that's, that's,
1: that's the reason why you go to church every Sunday, right? It's sure, supposed hug. to... I, I went to church once when I was uh, when I was bar mitzvah. So there we go, right? <laughs>
0: but yeah, you, you know, you don't get strong from eating. You know, you get strong from getting out there and moving. Um, yeah. You know, and and you know, I, I think the repetition is so important because anything that you're good at, you practiced, and and <clears throat> sales and services, you have to practice. Nobody's born with the innate ability to sell, but you know, there's a lot of ways that which we we can teach our people how to sell. And, um, you know, there's so many different things and, you know, selling is a condition, you know, it's, it's a conditioned response to something that's happened with your guest.
1: So going to the experience of the guest, the heart of everything, what do you feel like is, and you've touched on a bunch of different aspects of the guest experience, but what do you think is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays?
0: Making them feel important. People, people innately want to feel that they mean something, um, and, you know, I think what's cool about the service industry is, you know, we've come a long way. And now it's cool to be in the service industry. You know, 30 years ago, it was like, you're only in the restaurant business till you got a real job. But <laughs> It's kind of true. But um you know, I think, you know, making people feel important and we do this training drill where, you know, I ask I, what's the number one way to make somebody feel important and eventually we'll get it. It's like call somebody by their name. By the name. And as humans, we all want to feel that we're recognized. And, you know, then there's a whole bunch of ways to get somebody's name. But, you know, the easiest way is to introduce yourself. And once you get a guest name, you know, um, that that, you know, first impression and first impression is 10 seconds. Right. For somebody to decide if they like you or they don't like you. Um, You know, first impressions are really gray, they're typically black or white. And so you know, when we can get, you know, a guest name, and we use that guest name on a regular basis, um, you know, and then that's how you that's how you get regulars. Because, you know, I mean, the old cheers thing, everybody want to go where everybody knows your name. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, those are really important. I mean, I I would hazard a guess is you and I know I do. There's certain places that I go regularly, because they know me, and I'm treated Well, and, you know, I actually learned that from Livingston, New Jersey. Oh, Um, yeah. Our neck of the woods. Yep, There's a restaurant called the Beef and Bottle on Livingston Circle that my parents went to every Saturday night without fail. And it was like they walked in. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, we have your tables um, ready. But when they sat down, literally, my dad didn't even have to ask for his Manhattan to the sweet side with two cherries, and my mom didn't have to ask for her Chardonnay. That just came to the table literally as they were sitting down. You know, I mean, by the time they were finished with their meal, the chef had come to the table, the managers had come to the table, and other servers had come to the table just to talk to Mr. and Mrs. Jones. And, you know, I grew up watching that, you know, on the rare occasions they allowed, you know, the kids to come along. But, you know, you know, that was just always really impressive. And it really stuck with me. Um, but that was what hospitality is. It's making people feel important and appreciated.
1: Absolutely. And I, I've always said that the greatest human desire is the desire to feel important. And I feel like that's innate from the time that we're born to the time that we die. That is how we want to feel. And that's, and that's what makes you feel special. And to your point about being friends, that's what allows guests to be more forgiving about things because they've seen you at a better state right and so they can they can forgive the mistakes because they know it doesn't usually happen now just make sure you don't you uh you fix them right
0: <laughs> just got to fix it and and i go you know my whole thing is you know are there people out there that are trying to beat you to get something free yeah but you know what no bless oblige the noble oblige if you know i always tell my staff err on the side of caution to the guest side 100% of the time if they aren't happy it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. And it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Just make them happy. You know? And if that includes comping their entire meal and inviting them back for free on us to make them happy, then you know, it's better than a bad Yelp review.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Because that'll lose you. One negative review loses you 30 customers. And that's, that gets pretty expensive. So what are some things, Kelly, that you've seen that are uh, successful that you've seen or tried lately?
0: Well, as I said, you know, our food halls, you know, they're coming back, you know, it's funny because, you know, it's all about communal spaces and, and um, you know, uh, great entertainment. Um, and certainly that went away, you know, for COVID in a big way. And then based on, um you know, certain states that are open and are others that don't, you know, again, I really believe people, you know, just have this innate desire to be with other people and break bread. And, you know, it's pretty funny because I think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. You know, my favorite thing is a great meal with great wine and great friends. And I got to parlay that into a career, but I think, you know, other things that people are starting to see, you know, listen, the, um, delivery apps that they're, they're here to stay. And in fact, you know, obviously they were you know key for COVID. I was able to keep four, properties open during COVID just doing delivery and to go. And I think that that is going to be, you know, on trend and on point for a long time. Um, I I know that, um, you know, people want convenience, and they're willing to pay that extra 30% just to not have to leave their couch. So yeah. um, I think that that is something that you're going to, you know, see continue to grow as a market segment. I also believe that, um, you know, fine dining, as we know, it is probably, you know, not coming back to the way it was, you know, the white tablecloth restaurant and the, you know, waiters in tuxedos. I think um, people don't want to go out and spend, you know, three, four hours at a meal just waiting for their next course. I think that, you know, the reason they're spending three, four hours at a meal is because they just love the company that they're, you know, they're keeping right then. And so I I see that, you know, it's going to be more fast, casual, more shareable items. Um, You know, I haven't done a fine dining restaurant in probably five, six years. Um, unless it was in a hotel and, you know, ownership wanted that. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, shareable items, things that, you know, bring people together uh, are, are still and continue to grow as a market segment.
1: Love that. Well, who deserves innovation ovation in the restaurant industry today? Who should we be? Who should we be following on social media?
0: You know, I tell you, you know, probably one of the chefs that I think just does it, you know, consistently incredibly well is a guy out of San Francisco named Michael Mina. I mean, I think he's got probably 20, 30 restaurants around the country and I think some globally. I mean, this guy is just, you know, you go into any of his restaurants and they just perform on such a high level. You know, Michael has this uh, saying in his company that um, uh, perfection is expected, but excellence is accepted. And I love that because, you know, his feeling is if you strive for perfection every day, you will achieve a level of excellence. And I, I think that that is just such a great, uh, you know, kind of uh, internal mantra uh, that, you know, people you know, should always aspire to because I know that's, you know, my whole thing. But, you know, we always have to remember perfection is a perception because your yeah. ideal perfect in mind might not be the same. But, you know, I think, you know, we both obviously in the time that we spent together, you know, we're certainly all about chasing excellence.
1: Absolutely. I love that saying perfection is expected, but excellence is accepted. Yeah. That's that's a cool one. Well, Kelly, how do people find you, follow you or your
0: brand? Uh, kellyjoneshospitality.com is my website and has all the social handles, but, uh, at Kelly Jones is, uh, um, you know, my Instagram handle, uh, Kelly Jones Hospitality is LinkedIn and Facebook. So, you know, I'm all over, you know, we we post, uh, especially, you know, one of the big things that we find incredibly rewarding and I think very important is our, our charitable work. We do a lot of work with uh, local charities in, in every one of our markets. And that's something giving back, you know, at this stage of my life and career is really what it's all about, you know, watching the next levels of me come up through the ranks and having a a great degree of success is gas
1: love that kelly well hey for helping airlines stay in business with all your traveling for turning (laughs) your 30 years of experience into 30 minutes of inspiration and even though you're also a jersey boy at heart for introducing me to a vacation gem in my backyard of utah duck creek village today's ovation goes to you kelly thank you so much for joining us
0: so happy to be with you
1: glad you're with us today and thank you thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.